from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. On this episode of Newt's World... I'm joined by members of my Inner Circle Club for a fascinating conversation about the economy and what we can expect with grocery prices, gas prices, increased inflation, and rising interest rates in the coming months. We hold these regular video conference calls so that we can have an honest discussion about what is happening in America today. I find it extraordinarily helpful to me personally in thinking through the issues that are facing us. So I hope you'll find this episode of Newt's World informative. And if you'd like to become a member of my Inner Circle Club, please go to newtsinnercircle.com and sign up for a one or two year membership today. And I'm really pleased to welcome a special guest, Stephen Moore. Steve is a senior economist at FreedomWorks. Previously, he served as an economic advisor to President Donald J. Trump and is a member of the Wall Street Journal's editorial board. He's here to talk with us about the economy and all the issues we're facing. I also want to mention his recent book, GovZilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom, which is available now. Well, first, let me thank you for being a part of the Inner Circle, and I'm really pleased to have Steve Moore join us today. He has a free weekly newsletter he sends out called Unleashing Prosperity, which you can sign up for by going to committeetounleashprosperity.com. It is well worth reading. In fact, I read it every day. He covers an amazing range of issues. 
He was one of the first people to point out the difference in unemployment, the difference in a whole range of areas between the Republican-governed states and the Democratic-governed states. And he's really done great analytical work on the impact of limited, conservative, constitutional government in improving freedom, improving the economy, versus a dependence-oriented, big-government bureaucratic system in places like New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California. So Steve, I think, really is one of the leading intellectuals, and given everything we've seen in the last few months in the economy, I couldn't imagine anyone who would be more helpful to me as well as the rest of us in advising us on what to expect. So Steve, I want to toss it to you. Tell us how you're thinking about the economy right now. Well, I'm pretty glum today. I mean, my wife just called me about what happened to our 401k plan today, and <laughs> it was a bloodbath. Look, I'll just summarize very simply. I knew that Joe Biden would be a bad president when it came to economic policy. And I knew that a lot of the gains that we had made under Donald Trump and many of the gains that date back to when you became Speaker of the House, where we really had that conservative revolution. I knew that there would be an attempt by the radical left to reverse these policies. I truly can't think of a single policy that Biden has put in place when it comes to the economy that's been good for the economy. That's how bad it's been. And so just to give you a sense, folks, of how much we've slid in the last 14 months, because I run into people all the time who come up to me and will say, you know, they didn't vote for Donald Trump. They didn't like Donald Trump very much, but boy, they sure liked his policies. And I think every day that goes by, people are remembering how good they were compared to what's happening today. So when Trump left office, this is one of my favorite statistics, Mr. Speaker, when Trump left office in January of 2021, the United States was completely energy independent. We had reached a stage that we'd never seen in 50 years in this country where we're actually, I think most of you know this, we were producing more oil and gas and coal than we were importing. So we had broken the back of OPEC and Biden declared war on American energy. And now we're importing a million or two million barrels a day from abroad, which is criminal. I mean, we're actually funding Russia in their evil war against Ukraine. So that's one statistic to keep in mind. And by the way, just one more thing on that. I really believe we were at 12 million barrels a day production under Trump. Biden's taken that down to about 10 million barrels a day. I truly believe if Trump were still president, we'd be producing 15 million barrels a day. Now think about that. That's 5 million fewer barrels of oil a day. The price is $100 a barrel. That means we're losing new $500 million a day because of this insane war on American energy. So that's one statistic. The other one I'll throw out there just to give you a sense of how much things have faltered in the last 15 months. When Trump left office in January of 2021, do you know, Newt, what the inflation rate was that month? No. Take a guess. 3%. <laughs> one and a half. So think about that. I and mean, how do you go from one and a half percent inflation to eight and a half percent inflation in 15 months? I wouldn't have thought that was possible. By the way, the economy was already expanding when Biden came into office. So it's not as if all of a sudden we had this big surge in the economy. And so now we have a tragedy in this country. And I think that the match that lit this forest fire of higher inflation unquestionably was the massive increase in multi-trillions of dollars of spending and borrowing. And it's as clear as the sun rising every morning in the East that you were going to have inflation when you just keep spending. We had a trillion dollars in the hopper because Trump, shortly before he left office, we passed a $1 trillion COVID relief bill 
on top of the ones we'd already passed. So there's already $1 trillion flowing into the system beyond the normal budget. And Biden comes in and he spends $3 trillion more. You know, what's the old saying that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste? That's Rahm Emanuel. Well, that's the way the left viewed it. We can just spend and spend this deluge of money. And that has caused this inflation crisis. And I'll set up in a minute, but I want to make sure people connect the dots here. So it was the massive increase in the spending. It was the massive increase in the borrowing, which had to fund that spending. Then the Fed is complicit here as well, because the Fed was basically buying a lot of these bonds. So that was just flushing all of this money into the economy. And, you know, Milton Friedman taught us when you have all that money in the economy, more money chasing fewer goods, you're going to have inflation. And if we don't stop this inflation, and I think that what the Fed did was completely insufficient, we are going to have a recession. Now, I don't think it's too late to avoid one, but we've got to start taking smart action now. So when you look out to the end of the year, which is the election cycle, and then maybe to the end of next year, in terms of unemployment and in terms of inflation, what does your instinct tell you? You know, right now, it's a weird economy. I don't think I've ever seen anything in my 40 years of being an economist where I've seen a very, very strong labor market. I mean, if you want a job out there, they're out there. Right now, they are. We've got 10 million surplus jobs. Now, that's a good thing if you're a worker. It's not such a good thing if you're an employer trying to find workers. And I do think that one of the big mistakes we made, we should have cut the payroll tax rather than increased all these unemployment benefits. Let's really review what we did in the last two years and all the mistakes that we made. And one of them was that, you know, we paid people not to work rather than paying people to work. And as you know, Mr. Speaker, the other thing that Biden did was immediately eviscerate all of the welfare reforms. All of the work for welfare reforms were eviscerated under Biden. And so they just don't exist anymore. You don't have to work to get food stamps. You don't need to get work to get rental assistance. That's a hard question to answer. I mean, as I said, it depends a lot on what we do over the next few months. As soon as Jerome Powell made his announcement, I said, "Uh uh-oh, that was not a hawkish anti-inflation policy he put forward. It was the opposite. We should be raising rates much more quickly if we want to get this inflation down. And that's not what Jerome Powell did. And he's been wrong, by the way, for the last year. Every pronouncement he has made on inflation has been wrong. First, he said there is no inflation. Then he said it was temporary. Then he said it was transitory. Then he said it was going to go away. Then he said it was, you know, not that harmful. And all of those have been wrong, wrong, wrong. I don't know why anyone actually believes him anymore. I think that Jerome Powell was actually one of Trump's worst appointments. You know, I came in as a freshman in the middle of Carter's inflationary cycle. And I was there when Volcker basically was told by finance ministers around the world, if you don't get this under control... We're going to withdraw support for the dollar as the reserve Uh, currency. And he came back home and with Reagan's support, he was relentless in raising interest rates. What do you think Volcker would do today if he was faced with Powell's challenges? Well, let me just say something about why inflation is so devastating, because we haven't had inflation like this in a long time. As you said, you have to go back to the Carter years to remember when inflation was this bad. Think about it like this. When you have an 8.5% inflation rate, so let's look at that GDP number that came out last week. It was negative, 1.4%. In nominal terms, the economy grew pretty well. It was up 6%. That's a good number normally. But when you have an 8.5% inflation rate, everything has to grow by 8.5% just to get even. You see what I'm saying? In other words, if you don't grow at 8.5%, you're negative because you're below the inflation rate. It's a huge hurdle to get over. That's why wages are falling. Newt, the wages are growing at 
6%, but inflation is 8.5%. So people are losing money. Same thing on the stock market. I even said this before this big fall. If you look at the real rate of returns on the stock market over the last year, they were completely negative because they didn't keep pace with inflation. That's why you can't get a healthy economy with an inflation rate this high. So job number one has to be to bring this inflation rate down. It has to be. And that requires two things. Number one, the Fed needs to be more aggressive in terms of pulling money out of the economy. And by the way, that's not just raising interest rates. One thing the Fed has been doing for the last three years, have you looked at the Fed balance sheet? They own six, seven, eight trillion dollars of assets. So they keep buying these assets, which pushes more money into the economy. And the one thing they've been buying other than bonds until recently, now they've stopped doing this, but they were buying all these mortgage-backed securities. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what the Fed was doing back in 2007 and eight. It's like they've learned none of the lessons from the crisis. I'm worried about the housing market, by the way. I'm really worried about it. Mortgage rates are going up. Housing affordability is going down. And if people start losing jobs and stuff, I mean, I think you could have another crash in the market. So it's a precarious situation. The answer to your question is Volcker would be raising rates aggressively to kill the inflation, to smash it down. And you're right. That's what it took in 1981, 82. It was a hard landing we had. But then remember, that set the stage. Once we got that inflation rate down, we had the biggest bull market expansions under Reagan ever. And it set the base for healthy growth for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I saw one report today that September and October will actually be worse months for the price of food because of the real world, not just inflationary problems, but the amount of fertilizer available has dropped dramatically. The price has gone up. Farmers are using less fertilizer. The price of the productivity is going down in terms of agriculture. Ukraine and Russia are something like 40% of the world's grain exports. And so places like India, Egypt are going to have huge problems. And in the U.S., the price of beef is going to go apparently through the roof. So you could have the absence of supply-driven price increases, which actually aren't a function of inflation. They're a function of market behavior. And it strikes me that the American people will respond to that. As this all sinks in, my personal hunch is you'll see the savings rate go up and people really pull back on spending because they'll be afraid. Well, you know, there's a lot there. I agree with everything that you just said. First of all, let's take the energy issue because I should have mentioned this also. When the price of energy goes up, everything goes up. People don't realize how energy intensive food production is, right? I mean, you mentioned fertilizer. Fertilizer uses a lot of energy. Irrigation uses a lot of energy. You need trucks and all these things to transport the food. You know, ask any farmer. It's an energy intensive industry. And you're right that those food prices have been rising very rapidly. Look, if we have higher food prices, let's say a 10% increase in food prices in the United States, because you're right, because the supply is dropping, that's going to cause hardship for people. It's going to cause financial hardship. But for people around the world, it's going to cause severe hunger. I mean, you're going to have people literally, I hope I'm wrong about this, starving to death because they don't have the safety nets that we do. So this is a crisis and you've got to bring energy prices down. You've got to bring the inflation rate down. And You mentioned something else that's really important to this equation. Yes, Paul Volcker slammed the brakes on the money supply. But the other part of this that the left doesn't understand is what you just said, the supply side. That's why we call us supply side economics. That means we're pro-production. We're pro-business. And so as soon as those deregulations by Reagan and the big, steep Laffer tax cuts took place, you had a huge surge in supply, right? And guess what? When supply goes up, prices go down. So that was also a correlating factor to that reduction in prices. Same thing under Trump. We reduced the regulations and we reduced the tax rates. And that's how we got that inflation rate so low. Under Trump, we were actually below the Fed's target on inflation. The Fed shoots for 2% inflation. We're at 1.5%. So you got to do both the supply side, right? You got to get the taxes down, the regulations down, get better trade deals, all of those types of things. And you have to control the money supply. And right now, I'm here to tell you that Biden is doing neither of those. It's almost the worst of both worlds. I remember 
in the late 70s, early 80s with Jude Winiski and Art Laffer and Jack mm-hmm. Kemp pushing the concept of supply side. And in a sense, I say this for all of our members of the inner circle, the model is very simple. If you try to break inflation only on the demand side, the level of pain is dramatically yeah, greater. Exactly. But if you think of it, if you provide more goods and services, they mop up the money. And therefore, you can actually get to a better equilibrium with dramatically more supplies. At the time in the mid-70s, that was a very radical model, although it actually just went back to general economics in a pre-Keynesian sense. You're exactly right. And then there's another part of this, too, which happened when you were speaker and Bill Clinton was president. You guys came in and you cut government spending. People don't realize how much spending came down under your years as speaker. And that also had a very positive effect on the economy as well, because, you know, every dollar that the government doesn't spend is a dollar that the private sector can spend. Again, the left doesn't get this. I mean, you need government. I'm not saying we shouldn't have any government, but when you have all of these government programs, and this is why I'm really worried when you ask me, where's the economy headed? I mean, just listen to what the Democrats are saying. First of all, last week, Chuck Schumer said the way to bring inflation down is to cancel the Trump tax cuts. Really? You're going to do a $2 trillion tax increase on American businesses? And then you had Biden say, oh, we're going to increase the tax on the energy companies because they're price gouging. Well, if you tax something, you get less of it. If you increase tax on the energy companies, they're not going to produce more energy. They're going to produce less of it. And so they're violating the most basic rules of economics. And Biden's still out there pushing his idiotic Build Back Better bill. Can you imagine, Newt, if Joe Manchin had not saved our country and held that thing up, if they had passed that $5 trillion spending bill, we would be looking at 15% inflation right now. You know, I always try to tell people, no matter what your ideology, if you take eggs and you put them in the freezer, they're not going to be boiled. They may end up being hard, but they're not going to be boiled. And on the left, you just cannot get that across. It's amazing their willingness to deny reality. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Thanks very much. The comments were really interesting in terms of Russia's war on Ukraine and how it's affected global food supplies. I mean, it's causing the prices of key agricultural products produced not only in that region, including wheat, as you mentioned, to skyrocket. And there are many countries that are fearing shortages. I just read a report that the USAID is planning to release the critical food supplies because of this issue. I mean, so if Ukraine is showing us anything, it's that we take food for granted and the world is about to go hungry because of that war. And so with this new crisis building, you know, what are your guys' recommendations to deal with this? I moved to Puerto Rico four years ago and formed Fusion Farms, which is an indoor vertical aquaponics hurricane protected farm. And we're trying to expand as fast as we can because we're growing without an ammonia chemical fertilizer solution. We're using tilapia as our nutrient source, but we can't grow fast enough to meet the coming shortages in the fall. So what do you recommend to people? I mean, I'm trying to get people to grow backyard gardens and get back to the victory gardens of World War II, because this is a big problem. And do you see it at that kind of level? Steve, do you want to comment on? Well, I'm not an expert on this issue. I think Kendall's probably knows a lot more about it than I do. I would simply say that when you have these inflated costs of energy and uh, the inputs that are used to grow food and put it in the grocery store, that is causing a real crisis. And we should be able to produce <laughs> as much food as we need to, you know, with the right economic policies. Why does the world have to be dependent on Ukraine for food? We're the breadbasket. I mean, we should be energy independent. Well, of course. That goes without saying. It's funny. I do a radio show once a week on WABC, and I've been challenging for seven weeks some liberal Democrat to explain to me the logic of the Biden energy policy. How does it make any logical sense that we would get our oil and gas from Russia and Iran rather than Texas and Oklahoma? And incidentally, if you care about climate change, it doesn't keep me up at night, but many people does. The single most important thing that we could do if you want to reduce global emissions of greenhouse gases is bring all oil and gas production to the United States, because we have by far the cleanest oil and gas. We have by far the most stringent environmental protections. So when we move the production out of the U.S., that's actually making the greenhouse gas emissions higher, not lower. I don't know if the left understands that, but it's a fact. Let me mention, Ken, because you raised a really good question. When Callisto was the ambassador to the Vatican, we have in Rome an American ambassador to the Food and Agricultural Organization. And we got to know Kip Tom, who is a farmer, multi-generations, who goes back a long way in his family. And he's extraordinarily knowledgeable. He was one of the first people to warn me. Food will be expensive, but available in the U.S. Food may not be available Right. in parts of Egypt or parts of India right. or parts of sub-Saharan Africa. And you may literally have several hundred million people faced with starvation. I've got a couple of questions I'd like to run by you. The first one is the one we've been talking about, is the number of 
people around the world who will be faced with starvation as a result of the food shortages. A hack to solve the problem would be to shift ethanol production to food production in the U.S. That would instantly release a whole lot of food for production. The downside of it would be that it would further stretch U.S. energy production. And currently, the oil reserves are almost down enough. With the driving season this summer, they'll run to $200 a barrel, which would be bad. But the alternative would be far worse for worldwide hunger. Would you think that shifting ethanol production to food production would be a good idea or a bad idea? It has a couple of impacts. One is in the American domestic energy supply. The other is that except for food we give away, we're probably not going to be the primary source of that solution because we have the largest agricultural economy in the world, but it is in fact fairly expensive. And the places that historically have been buying, for example, from Ukraine, have been buying mostly wheat and mostly at much lower prices. But I suspect the market economy this summer will have some effect on corn shifting towards food and away from ethanol. That'd be my guess. But Steve, do you want to comment? We have more oil and gas and coal than any other country in the world, really. We have a super abundance of all those energy resources. We have the most fertile agricultural land in the world. And it's amazing that we're even talking about this, right? I mean, you got to really screw things up to not be producing enough energy and not producing enough food. So that's my comment about it. And this idea of, well, we have to have a trade-off between food and energy. That's like 19th century stuff. I mean, we should be producing more oil. We should be producing more gas and coal. By the way, China's building 50 coal plants while we're shutting all our coal plants down. And so there's no need for this sort of trade-off. It's just because of bad government policy. Well, and frankly, if we went back to the kind of energy independence that Trump got us to, you would lower the cost of fertilizer overnight. Absolutely. Yep. My question is, last year, I moved a bunch of funds in the old retirement account over to farm equipment manufacturers, and they have done very poorly. I mean, I thought that this increased focus on agriculture and production would help a lot with the equipment manufacturers, but Apparently, it's not, might be driven by energy costs. The second point is with ethanol, going out to the various sites who keep track of it, the corn belt in the United States on a yearly basis fixes more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere than the Amazon forest. So our corn belt is the biggest carbon fixer, and we do it every year. And if you make ethanol from it and burn it, you're putting it back in. But if you put it into food, it really lowers CO2 content. The question is, what about the farm equipment guys? Well, I think the average farmer will tell you right now that with the cost of petroleum-based products, they don't have the extra money to buy new equipment. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The agricultural community feels like it's been pretty hard hit by precisely what Steve's talked about. When you adopt suicidal policies that artificially raise the cost of oil and gas in the greatest producing country in the world, One of the ripple effects is that farmers feel it in their pocketbook almost immediately. And that's been a big factor, I think. One other quick point on this whole issue. You make this point about corn and the fact that corn production actually reduces carbon emissions. You know, some of the crazy things that we're doing right now. So, for example, trees. Trees absorb carbon. You know what we're doing right now in America? We're cutting down trees to build windmills. How stupid is that? It's probably going to increase carbon emissions. And sometimes I wonder, 
you know, I get asked this all the time, are they trying to undermine? And is this an intentional thing? And I always say, well, I don't know if it's intentional, you know, what they're doing, but if it were intentional, it's working because they're taking all the dials, as our left would say, you know, economics isn't that complicated. If you, if you turn the dials in the right direction, you get good results. If you turn them in the wrong direction, you get bad results. And Biden has come in and just twisted them all in the opposite direction. And in 15 months, you know, how do you like it now? That's why I do think you're going to see a real revolt in November among voters. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to kind of stay on the agriculture issue. The DOJ is going after the poultry industry for supposed price fixing. They've had two mistrials and they're going to have a third trial, which is almost unheard of. And they're also planning on going after the beef industry. Is that smart right now? Well, the left has to blame somebody. Their model is that if you're big, you're dangerous and they don't like you. It's always ironic to me. Calista used to be the chief clerk of the Agriculture Committee, where they talked relentlessly about the world's safest and most available agricultural system. And the fact is that we have fed more people better. In fact, we went from a problem of malnutrition to overnutrition in the last 70 years. And I think that if you're on the left, you have to defend big government no matter how stupid it is. And you have to attack the private sector no matter how smart it is. When I wrote my book on defeating big government socialism, part of it's based on that model that they have an absolute need to have a villain. And since the villain can't be big government, the villain has to be the private sector. But do you want to comment, Steve, on this whole notion of suing the poultry industry and suing the beef producers? You know, you put it so well that, you know, they have to find someone to blame (laughs) other than themselves. And by the way, this is something that I find so despicable about this president. You know, I'm a fan of, believe it or not, of Harry Truman, who was a Democrat. But you all know that he had a placard on his desk in the Oval Office, the buck stops here. And with Biden, no matter what the problem is, he is always blaming someone else. I love this idea that somehow all of a sudden the companies all got greedy. <laughs> now they're not getting more. Companies want to make money. They're always going to try to make as much money as they can. And when you create shortages like this, their prices are going to go up. There's no question about it. You know, And so we've fallen into this trap. But blaming greedy beef producers or the meat packers or the oil companies, that's not going to get us anywhere. Well, while you're here, Steve, I wanted to change the discussion just a little bit because there's always an issue with the Social Security Trust Fund. And so my question to you is, instead of maintaining the fiction that this trust fund is paying for itself, why not adjust taxes and benefits for those after 67, as well as inheritance taxes, to fully fund Social Security retirement and Medicare for retirees? So the people who are using it would be the ones that would cover it rather than young people who have lower incomes. The thing I'm trying to get at here is right now we're supposedly taxing young people into a trust fund and it's going to go bust. And so my thought here is why not set the taxes up for all the retirees so that they are paying for their generation through more controlled benefits, taxes and inheritance? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, one of the biggest mistakes we made in this country's history is 30 or 40 years ago, when we started talking about this idea of creating private personal accounts, if we had done this 30 or 40 years ago, every single American retiring now would have 
well more than a million dollars in their accounts and they'd be getting benefits. So social security doesn't pay too much money. It pays too little given how much it's taken from workers for 40 years. And I'm very frustrated by that because the left was opposed to this. The people who get screwed the most from this are the lowest income people. And let's let everybody have a piece of the wealth. When Reagan came in, the Dow would hit the low at 800. And now, you know, even with the declines, we're at 32,000. So why not let people become owners? Every American should be an owner in America. Steve, I want to thank you for joining us today. I know all of us are more knowledgeable from this conversation. And I want to mention again your new book, GovZilla, how the relentless growth of government is devouring our economy and our freedom is available now. And if you'd like to sign up for Steve's newsletter, please go to committeetounleashprosperity.com. Thank you to my guests, Stephen Moore, and members of my Inner Circle Club for their thoughtful questions. If you'd like to become a member, please go to newtsinnercircle.com and sign up for a one- or two-year membership today. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.